This is the Pro Audio Suite Podcast. Quick Bites. Welcome to another Pro Audio Suite Quick Bite. This week, we're uh, replying to an email that was sent to us about industry jargon and what these words mean. Robbo, you got the email in front of you. I, I do. Think, um, Bob Leadham, who's been in touch with us before, uh, wrote to us and said, hey, again, guys, I've been thinking there are some audio terms that you and others often throw around and some of them are less familiar to laymen like myself. Could you please elaborate possibly on a quick bite? Well, the answer is yes, we can. Yes, we can. Uh, <laughs> so the first term that he's asked about is diffuse field, which I've got to be honest, I don't even know. Anybody got the answer to that? I'm looking at my glossary. By the way, I have a glossary on George the Dot Tech in the free section. <laughs> there you go. I don't have free. one. There's I don't a have plug. a definition for diffuse fields. <laughs> I, 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 think, I think I can. I can. <laughs> right, but but it, it it has to do with like like often microphones that, that are designed to pick up in a diffuse field or a non-diffuse field. A diffuse field of a room would have well lots of diffusion, lots of scattering of your sound essentially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Here's a one-sentence um, answer, and it won't help. You ready? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Theoretically, diffuse field is, a def- is defined as a sound pressure field where there is no privileged direction of the energy. Mm. Okay. <laughs> there you go. There you go. In other words, when sound pressure is the same everywhere in the room, this is obtained with large rooms, no absorbing materials on the walls, ceiling, or floor. There you go. It's maybe the opposite of an anechoic chamber. It sounds like it. It does yeah, sound a bit like that, doesn't it? It's one where there's, yep. Also sounds a bit like the Acousta instruction manual for the LA3. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, okay, I'm not even gonna, I'm not putting that one in my glossary. <laughs> <laughs> but but what's interesting is is, is like high-end high-end mic, mic microphones like the the BNKs will give you different capsules that you put on like caps that you put on top of the capsules for recording the omni in, in a diffuse field or a less diffuse field. Yeah, right. And, uh, wow. But it's definitely about the room and, and how much diffusion is in the room. If you have We've definitely used the, the word diffusion a lot. Yeah. We never, yeah. I never talk about the terms diffuse field personally. So no. well, a lot of diffusion results in a diffuse field. Okay. Right. All right. There you go. It does. That's a good answer. Yeah. Nice and simple. All right. The next one good. is also pretty simple. Um, sound stage. Being a radio imaging audio engineer, that sound stage is my friend. So that's basically in stereo, your sound stage is left to right. In 5.1, it's left to right, front to back. And what's the overhead? Is it 9.1 or 7.1 where you've got overheads? 9.1? 742. 742. There you go. Where you've got left, right, front, back, and up and down. That's the Atmos standard, right? Well, Atmos can go up to like whatever. 22. 20 million speakers, yeah. 22.2 or something. Like, Like basically it's like stereo, is it? Is it surround in 2D? Is it 3D going surround and up and down? And there's your sound stage. I guess the simple way to think about it is, is think of your speakers set up as a stage and whereabouts on that stage everything goes to fit nicely right, in yeah. the mix. When you're mixing, it's not always about level. It's also about where you organize the sounds in that space to That's bring right. clarity to things. Beautiful. There's also another definition for sound stage. Okay. The soundstage is a soundproof, hangar-like structure, building, or room used for the production of theatrical filmmaking yes. and television. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's it's, not an audio, like that's a soundstage. That's sound a stage, physical like, thing, shoot, yeah. Which is yeah. so funny because usually a soundstage has cameras in it. 
Yes, it does. Right. Yes, that's, that's right. right. Yeah. <laughs> it's a stage where you can record sound and it's been treated for sound. Yeah. That's yeah. how I think of it. Next, air frequencies. Oh, air so the very high, the very high frequencies, like you know, like even like twenty k and way up there, that just brings air and lightness and sort of a glassy sound to the uh, hmm. to the whole. It's the thing. polish. Like, it's the polish at the end of the the process, isn't it? There's EQs that that have like air band mm-hmm. and and things like that, but it's just well, like there's extremely- even the Scarlet Solo Generation Three that they've added a button literally air. on the unit that just says air. Yeah, and it just, does just that. Just take your high e, your high shelf EQ, put it at like 14k or higher, like even 14k, and goose the gain up, and then you've got some air. Yeah, it's like above. It's above sibilance. Let's put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> well, my uh, my Sebatron preamp has a an air switch. Does it really? Oh, really? There you go. I thought that would be for long sentences, maybe, or something like that. The air you kick the air switch in. <laughs> yeah, it goes bright, flat, and air. My my Avalon mastering like tube mastering seven was a seven forty seven has got a high frequency graphic and it's at thirty two k but you'd think you can't hear it but you put that up it's like man it's yeah like but the, it's not it's only thirty two k though it's a it, slope it bleeds down it bleeds right, right exactly. it's a shelf the more you increase that high shelf the more the frequencies below it are increased so you're really increasing probably a fair amount at like even maybe twelve k. You know, or 18K. Yeah, it just depends on the slope of that, you know, the, the shape the of width, the curve. The width of know. that 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 band, exactly. The cue. And nice. I think also because it's so high up there, any resonance it has are maybe farther out. Maybe you don't hear them as much sometimes with, with EQs when you're turning them up and down. You get resonances and weird distortions near, near the, the crossover points. Uh, here's another one to do with frequencies. Forward mids. So turning the mids up. I like guess having, so. Yeah. Having good, like two, three, four K kind of good volume on that. Yeah. Headphones can have forward mids. Like I think yeah. the Austrian audios have a forward mids, for example. So we're talking more, more pronounced in generally. Is that what we're saying here? More pronounced in the mid range frequency, the voice range. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think of forward mids as being kind of like high mids, actually, for some reason. Yeah. Well, that's where my mind that I went. think high mids. Yep. One to four K. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. 1K to 4K. Yeah, exactly. Like, like you could call mids like you know down to even 300, like 1K down to 300. That's lower mids. But I don't. When someone yeah. says forward mids, I don't think of 300. That's what makes all this jargon kind of nebulous. Sometimes it's like what it technically means versus what it really means can be two different things. Um, yeah. Uh, or, or technically means versus what it figuratively means. Like we've we've given in our minds a meaning to what it means to add air or have forward mids. But it is still pretty subjective what that actually means. Okay. Indeed. Next one. Uh, this, well, Robert, this one's for you. Gain staging. So you, you typically, in, in any signal that you're recording, you have even your microphone. If, if it, you know, it has some, if it's an active microphone, like a uh, phantom-powered microphone, it's going to have some gain built into it, in a sense. And then you're going to plug that into a preamp. Many preamps have two knobs, the mic sensitivity and then the output knob. And then that might go into a line input that also has a knob that you can turn it up. Any one of those points is a stage in your gain, getting to your ultimate place where you are recording. So stages might, like think of them as steps. Um, 
maybe at one end, like, you know, you could clip it at the beginning and then turn it down later and make it so no red lights go on, but you're still clipped because you clipped the first part of it, turned it down later, you turned it down in the wrong place. So it's still sounding clipped. You just have a lower volume of a clip. So proper gain staging is to not clip any one of those points and get the volume to the point where you like it. Also, proper gain staging is recognizing that sometimes some preamps work optimally maybe in their middle level. And when you start turning them up too loud, that's when they start to get noisier. So maybe you want to only work your preamp you know, at 50 decibels or so, and then get the rest of your gain from your line input. And that might be cleaner than trying to make your preamp do all the work. So that is gain staging. God, you just, you just described that so much better than I could have. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got a question for you then. Um, based on that, what, what is the difference between gain and trim? Nothing. That's the same thing, yeah. Okay, yeah. I think of trim as not adding anything but only removing something. But that may not be true. Why but is that? I think of trim Because you can trim up. Like, you can trim down. You can trim up and down. Yeah, I, I think... Like English versus American, I don't know. Like yeah. trim gain level. Yeah, yes. I've, I've always thought in my mind a trimmer was just designed to reduce, not add more gain. The Avid trim plugin gives you plus plus twelve if you want. Huh. I'm looking at my um, 1073, and it has it's got if, both. So what if would I? Anything. If anything, think of gain as the gross setting, and trim as the fine setting. Typically, if you have a gain knob, it's going to, like, especially on some of your older, um, you know, English preamps, it snaps like you're like 10, 20, 30, 60. Yeah. Like just snaps yeah. to those settings. And then you can trim it. You can fine tune it with the trim plus from ah, grace. That's okay. how the Grace M101 is. Yeah, yeah. You step that's gain control and then you have a trim that's fine tunable. Ah, okay. Well, let's answer that question. Yeah, because I'm looking at the 101 as well. And uh, yeah. Cool. Well, I wanted to mention another re- a way that people run into trouble gain staging in your typical, you know, very simple home studio is someone will have a Scarlet and then they'll, they will buy like a preamp, you know, and plug it in. And they don't realize they're really going through more than one preamp now. So they're going through their outboard preamp and they're going through the Scarlet preamp. And then what can often happen in that scenario is even if you turn the input gain on your Scarlet all the way down, the output of the mic preamp can be higher than the input stage of the Scarlet can handle. And that is a place where you can now introduce clipping and distortion. So mm. you got to be real careful when you have that. I try to encourage a lot of people that are new to home studios to simplify, you know, stay away from outboard gear and because it's just more to go wrong, especially if you have a mixer. A mixer has like five, at least five different places. Where there's you a get gain the fader and the stage in the, yeah. the overall knob, yeah. Well, you, you every link in in the chain somewhere you can introduce distortion, right? Pretty much. So that's what right. Anywhere there's an amplifier, yeah. and 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 you're absolutely right. Like like in gain staging, you have to keep in mind of what the next stage is capable of handling. Because even though you're not mm-hmm. clipping the output of something, you still might clip the input that you're hitting next. And so. in an Apollo, when you start piling a bunch of plugins. That you don't know how to use. <laughs> I see people's Apollo setups, and I'm like, "What have you got going on over here?" <laughs> you, you definitely have You're, gain staging in your DAW. I, I see this yes. all the time. Like people, people record their music, and they will record it as high up as they can go on the meter, 
And then the guy who's mixing this has to get all this stuff and mix it. But now everything's already at 10. So what do you do when you add a bunch of things to, at, uh, that are at level 10? If you put the faders at zero, now you've clipped your output. And sometimes what a lot of guys mixing music will do is they'll just take all the audio and do it like a clip gain on the DAW and just bring it all down by 10 or 20 decibels. So they've got some room to mix the stuff. Right. You know, because if not, the other problem is if you bring it down on the fader, now you're trying to work your fader at the bottom of it and you have got no resolution to it. You barely move it and you've changed it by like a crap load of volume because you're at the bottom of the fader. So that's another example of gain staging, you know, where, where you want to, you want to turn those things down so you can have your fader working at the, in the place where when you move it a little bit, you get a little bit. And if you move it a lot, you get some, but it's not all drastic where it's so touchy that you can't fine tune your mix and really get it narrowed, you know, like zeroed mm. in. Yeah. All right. Just to, to wrap it up, George, one for you, latency settings. Oh, latency settings. Well, I, yeah, this is a, might actually be directly what you might see on, on, uh, on Source Connect, right? Mm-hmm. Indeed. Yeah. Buffer, you mean? Yeah, it's, it's AKA the buffer. So it's the time it takes the computer to take the audio coming in and encoding it into digital and then pass it on to the software. Um, and the lower the latency setting is, the less delay that there is in that process, but the more likelihood that some bit of that data could get dropped along the way. So when you have higher latency slash higher buffer settings, it generally is going to be more reliable. Um, but if you're doing real-time communication, then you're going to have a longer delay or a longer latency. Um, anything more to add than that, uh, Robert? I do. <laughs> latency is not echo. You are hearing your latency when you hear an echo, but it is not echo. Right. So we we hear a lot of people come into tech support and they're like, I have latency. Everything has latency, especially when you go through the internet. There's time. What, what they mean and what we have to kind of extract out of their emails or whatever they're saying is that actually they are hearing an echo, which is caused by latency of that's course. one of the hardest things about tech support is interpreting other people's misused jargon to describe the problem <laughs> it's one of the one of the skills of doing tech support yep so the interesting thing about this quick bite is it's actually made me think about things that i just take for granted so the question i have for robert then or both of you because you both pretty much do tech support is would a good way to describe latency be digital delay uh, that it's actually sort of getting held up in the digital world and so it's delayed by a few microseconds would, yeah. or describe, longer? I would describe latency as any time that a process imparts onto a signal. Okay, yeah. So it takes, it, any, takes time any, for that process to happen, is that what time. we're saying? Yeah, processing yep, time. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, that's a good idea. And therefore you don't hear it or whatever you're doing to it does not happen immediately. Yeah. It is latent. Yeah. It's not like you switch on the radio and the sound comes out of the speakers. It's you switch on the radio, it goes through a process, then it comes out of the speakers. Yeah. Right. So would this be the equivalent of vision and sound when you see something in the distance and the sound comes later? Yeah. There is there's latency be... in the in the space-time continuum, right? You you see it. Yeah. There's less latency in in visuals because uh, visuals travel at the speed of light. The speed of sound is significantly slower. So therefore, there's more latency in that event 
as you experience it. Latency absolutely has to do with a point of observation, right? Like if it takes time to go from point A to point B, you're at point B, um, you know, you, you do something physically and, and, and you're kind of in both places at once, right? You turn the knob yep. directly, but you're also standing in point B waiting for the output of that result. And it happens later. Therefore, there's latency in your experience between turning the knob and hearing the result of turning that knob. It's something you have to manage a lot when you're working to pitches with, um, with you know, plug-in counts on tracks and channels and all that sort of stuff that you have to keep an eye on, definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm, for sure. Well... Well, there you go. He did mention yeah. one more thing, but I think we might keep that for another quick bite because it's actually a separate subject. He's talking about how to interpret a frequency chart for microphones. So, um, yeah, that's another so we might keep like that, that one yeah, up yeah. our sleeve. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, at least I know what my trim and gain knobs do now. There you go. Just leave your knobs alone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm going to go another twiddle. And when you go, you have yourself a trim. Watch your knob. <laughs> well, that was fun. Is it over? The Pro Audio Suite recorded using Rode NTG5s and Source Connect, edited by Andrew Peters and mixed by Voodoo Radio Imaging with tech support from George the Tech Wizard. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and join in the conversation on our Facebook group. To leave a comment, suggest a topic, or just say good day, drop us a note at our website, proaudiosuite.com. 